This is Entitled Weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and other organisms, welcome to Entitled Weekend on Labor Day weekend, well, the end of Labor Day weekend, and it is six days until football, actual Patriots football. We are going to be seeing the 2022 Patriots in action. You know, the worst team that's ever been assembled in football is going to actually assemble come Sunday afternoon against the Miami Dolphins. Um and as you can tell, uh, I'm I'm playing injured because you know obviously I've injured myself from all of the all of the negativity that I've heard throughout this entire off season. And uh, I think the guys will agree with me when I say that uh, to me. And I know Iron had said this on the Title Town, uh, the most recent episode. It seems calculated to me. It just seems as though the negativity has just been compounded and been so. Uh, so, so you know, unmistakably uh, pounded on that it just makes it just makes you not want to watch the game. But today, I, I believe that our job is to actually make you like the team <laughs> if you don't already. And I'm sure that those those of you who are listening have at least a semi affinity for the team. So, um, uh, Bill, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you think? First of all. This noise, do you think it's calculated like I do because of the language that they use, because of the uh, all all of the, all of the tweets and just just the noise that you've heard? Or is it just is it is there some actuality to all of this? And and yeah, we're the ones who are crazy. No. And I you know, I heard the, the guys on the mothership talking about this. And I think, you know, they, they brought up a really good discussion about is it us? Is it, you know, the larger, you know, is it calculated? I, I think it's purely nothing more than a race to be the person that claimed stake to the Patriots have fallen and being correct. And what they're waiting for is this like epic collapse where they become the, you know, Cleveland Browns of the, you know, the, the 2010s, you know, the Detroit lions who went with their winless season. People are looking for this to be some sort of like wheels come off the wagon situation where the Patriots are doomed and will be the dregs of the league again for 40 years, because that's what some of those older fans grew up seeing. And so it's like a, it's this, you know, pontification of we're going to come back and be that again. And the truth of the matter is, much like they did in the window between 2004 and the second Dynasty three Super Bowl wins, they rebuilt the team after going through some difficulty. People forget signings like Adelius Thomas. People forget draft picks like Aaron Dobson. People forget that there were these spots that didn't work out for the Patriots during the best years for the Patriots. And part of it was an adjustment on the fly. The game changed from high impact hits to some more speed. And we're seeing that in a even higher range now with what we're doing on defense with our safeties, where the league is going today, etc. But what 
the sports media is failing to do is to actually look at the nuances and say, the Patriots are a team rebuilding as they go. They're developing quickly. They're rebuilding. If the, like the seven and nine Cam Newton year feels like the worst year we're going to have in the next several that, that like that, you know, you never success is not guaranteed in the national football league injuries happen. These things happen. But in terms of like a team rolling out week one, I don't think you're going to see a roster that is looks as tough to see a, a winning path for as that Cam Newton-led Patriots team did. Now we've got a young guy rolling, and people are still like, they didn't see the bottom fall out. They didn't see the world drop. They didn't see, you know, Chicken Little didn't see the sky fall. And so now we're dealing with these people trying to pontificate that it will happen because they do want to be that person that's right because they want to be seen as the expert who got it. They want to be the Nostradamus of sports media. And so it's a race to the bottom for the takiest take to tell us all what has happened here and how badly we are about to fail. And the truth of the matter is that as we were talking about before you logged on, the difference between the best teams in the league and the worst teams in the league in the NFL is narrower than people ever want to give it credit for. And when you've got a coach like Belichick, you've got a developing roster, and you've got some leaders in that locker room, you've got a good shot to make a run. You know, as good a shot to make a run as many teams do in the league. Of course, having your star quarterbacks, your Mahomes, your Josh Allen gives you a better shot at that. But that's what I think your Mike Reese's of the world are getting at when they're saying like, there are things to work on. There are things to develop on, but they've got a good centralized nucleus and they're building on this. And I think you're going to see their best football as the year goes along. And then you've got your Currens and your Volans and your crowd there. That's trying to say the sky is falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And so, you know, do I think that there's, do I think that it's sort of a concerted effort? No. Do I think that it's them all trying to outtake one another and they're all moving in the same direction? I think that's where I'm seeing truth. Yeah, and we're going to be uh, – we're going to do our um, our first edition of MST3K, um, Patriots edition, and specifically talking about those three stooges over at NBC Takes Boston and their idiocy trying to push the narrative that uh, – in Billy Trust is some sort of a a a harebrained uh, delusional scheme from Patriots fans wanting to believe their their head coach has is capable of achieving things. Um, but Joe, uh, what do you think? Is this really just this entire this entire offseason has been you know justified in the noise that's been made, or is it just a whole bunch of of BS that the media is trying to pull? in regards to uh, the Patriots and, and acknowledging that they, want, that they want to push a certain narrative and that whoever believes it will believe it. Yeah. I mean, going off a lot of, of what Bill said, I thought last year um, the camp battle between Cam and Mac was probably the most overanalyzed training camp or preseason that we maybe have ever seen. It kind of was like the real non-COVID post-Brady year where we can kind of analyze and see what we got, what we're, what we're doing. But this year has been otherworldly in terms of coverage, how crazy it's been. Um, and I know personally on my end, I, I mean, this is probably the first year where I haven't been following like crazy every day, overanalyzing everything like everybody else does. But I'm kind of just ready for football. I'm kind of ready, just ready for Sunday. You had mentioned that maybe the stars are aligning and there's just so much, so much noise. Um 
just for a, for a Patriots win on Sunday. I mean, it would be a quintessential Belichick game, right? He's been, he hasn't been getting agitated with questions. He's been answering things the same way. He's been pissing off the same people. It's the same Belichick doing it his way, right? And, and that's been obviously a recipe for success for such a long time. Um, specifically, this preseason has been so overanalyzed to the offensive line, to the play calling, to who's calling the plays, to Bill only hires his friends, to Bill's only hires his sons, his son's friends. There are so many anti-Belichick lace narratives out there, and they all stem from 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 similar similar ideas, right? That that Belichick is it's over. It was never Belichick. He's a pompous ass. He never gives us anything. But it's only it's. It's it's all rooted in the same thing, and like Bill said, it's it's a it's a race to be the first guy to say the Patriots have been the downfall, and that's a theme we've seen throughout this these twenty years of dynasties. It's a race to say when Brady's going to be done. All the Max Kellerman saying he's going to fall off a cliff, or this is the year the, the Patriots lose the AFC East. It's the same formula. It's just a different way of pushing the narrative. This is the year where Belichick hits rock bottom. I think we I think Bill had mentioned that the the Cam 7 and 9 year might have been the lowest of lows and I absolutely agree. I think that's the deepest valley we'll see. Um uh, I think that that is that is rock bottom for us in and like we said I can't believe we won 7 games with Cam Newton and there was two games that we probably could have won too. Could have gone 9 and 7 or 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 even 8 and 8 and it would have just looked a lot differently. Um I know personally I'm super excited for, for Sunday cuz I mean Patriots football obviously is makes it for the those are the best Sundays of the year. Um from a personal standpoint, and I don't know. I just I, I'm looking forward to this team. The, the anti the anti Patriots, the negative agenda has been abundant um, throughout every Twitter feed or or anything. Every local media guy besides Reese has really really made people brainwash people to think that Belichick suck. I, I mean, I made fun of because I'm a I'm a homer. I'm a bobo. I'm I'm the, I'm the most positive of the positive fans. But why wouldn't you be? The, there's evidence there. Like, it'd be one thing if I was a homer and a bobo of the Jets, right? I'm a homer and a bobo, but I've seen Patriots Super Bowls in, like, 35% of my lives, of years of life. Every 35% of the years of being alive, I've seen a Super Bowl. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I do that? Why would I hate on a guy who's given me so much joy? Um, but, yeah, looking forward to Patriots football. Really looking forward to it. That's really all I could say. I mean, Sunday, if they win on Sunday, I'll be obnoxious, and I'll I'll, I'll retweet all the shitty things that the people said and all the all the analysts and – Greg Bedard to the world that said that it's over, but yeah, I think the camp seven and nine year was our, was our lowest of lows and we're only ascending upwards. I mean, we have a rookie quarterback who's good teams. It takes so long for teams to find good rookie quarterbacks in the draft. And I mean, the evidence is there. We've got a guy who works his ass off, came to play this off season, looks thinner, looks good. And I mean, the future's bright and I'm not going to let people on the radio tell me that the Patriots suck. I'm not going it, to, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a bad thing that you root for your home team. It's it, it shouldn't be a bad personality trait, but that's what they want you to believe. So looking forward to it. And Rob, you and I, uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, we live in markets that are not um, New England. And so we have a different perspective in that we're able to see how the coverage uh, is different in New England. And in, uh, well, like for you, for you is in uh, the Philly area in me, New York, we're able to see, the coverage and how it differentiates and it's totally different <laughs> and you can attest to this too. It's really amazing. And what, but what, what I don't understand is these fucking idiots who go on Twitter and we talked about this in the thread who go on Twitter and there's, there's this one guy in particular who bought a Jersey, two jerseys 
that said fire bill with the number zero on it. And not only does he take a picture of it and hangs it up at the wall, but then he asks every single fucking dunderhead radio person on 98.5 and is like, look at me, is basically saying, look at me, ain't I great? Those are the type of people that obviously isn't, first of all, isn't listening to shows like Entitled Town and Entitled Weekend. Uh, but secondly, those are the type of people who I don't think we could ever, I don't think we could ever win over because they're trying to win over those people who don't give a fuck about them. In fact, I bet you once they saw that, that picture, they were probably cracking up and saying, look at this damn idiot who spent, first of all, fake jerseys from China. So we probably spent like what a grand total of $20 and then $50 shipping. And and then you spent a total of like $70 to take one little photo of a team that you say sucks, but then you want to at these people who don't get, who don't even care about you. Like those are the type of people that we, I would say need to win over, but I don't think we can. What, what do you think, Rob? Well, I mean, you're a thousand percent right about the Philly market. And I can't believe I'm about to defend the Philly beat reporters or make it sound like I'm defending the Philly beat reporters. But if you listen to the coverage at this time of year about the Eagles, it's the same as it was last year. It's the same as it was the year before. I've lived here since 2019. Uh, my first year here was when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl in 18. Uh, so it was actually January of 19 or February of 19 when that game happened. But when you listen to the sports radio here, they defend their teams like they go to the wall, you know, and if they had a Curran, a Bedard, somebody like that, they just wouldn't make it here. They wouldn't last. The fans don't want to hear it until it goes sideways. Once it goes sideways, they can pile on with the best of them. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm fine with that. I'd, I'd be a thousand percent fine with that because to me, that's not a disingenuous argument. A disingenuous argument is what we hear from the the fools that we're forced to listen to because there's, there's no one else, you know? And um, as you were just talking about uh, earlier about the, uh, th- whether or not it's calculated or not, I haven't seen this level of negativity since 2014 after that Chiefs game, that Chiefs Monday night game. That's the last time I remember like, the entire media getting together and essentially calling time of death and digging the grave and throwing Bill Belichick into it and then stomping on it and then doing a happy dance around the grave, which is essentially what they've done. So it sounds to me like they've basically just dusted their their notes off from 2014 and they're telling us that, you know, it's over. It's over before the season's even started, mind you. They've played zero games as far as I'm aware. And the mind-boggling part of that is after that game, the Patriots went into that game two and two. They were home underdogs against the Cincinnati Bengals after that game at two and two, you know, and they wound up blowing them out. And then they went on to win the Super Bowl, which tells you all you need to know about the Boston sports media. But, um, you know, it doesn't, it, what doesn't, it doesn't bother me that somebody like Curran jumps on the radio or jumps on TV and has a take, you know, Hey, I don't think the Patriots are going to be that good this year. And this is why I think that, you know, he picked him to go eight and nine on his podcast, you know? Uh, and if that's his take, fine. What bothers me is that when every single human being in that tent has the exact same take, then it's calculated because we're not talking about the New York jets here. We're not talking about, you know, the Detroit lions here where, right. you know, you sit there and you know, you're watching raw sewage roll up and down the field. 
this is a team that, as you guys said, went seven and nine with Cam Newton. They were a Cam Newton fumble in Buffalo and a one yard touchdown run in Seattle from going nine and seven with a team that they basically, you know, took all their cap hits in one year and said, you know, they're going to quote unquote bottom out. You know, and bottoming out for the New England Patriots was seven and nine. Mike Lombardi called that Bill Belichick's best coaching performance, uh, coaching job ever was that that one year with Cam Newton. And I can't necessarily disagree with that. That team was devoid of talent, you know, and it was for a reason because they took all their cap hits and they were that was kind of the plan. That was part of letting Brady go was, you know what, we're not going to pay our quarterback 25 million a year, this, that, and the, you know, so. And then they go 10 and seven last year with Mac Jones as a rookie to think that they're suddenly going to be worse than that this year. I don't understand. Like how can nobody in that media tent stand up and say, you know, you know, or at least push back a little bit, just a little bit, right? Say something <laughs> you know, like just a tiny little bit. Nobody's pushing back. They've all piled on it. And now it's gone national, you know, now the national media is piling on it. Peter King in his column today said that the Patriots are the Detroit lions. And he, he put a, a screenshot of Ben Volen's tweet of the one where he was crapping on Belichick for his. Draft. What what fucking evidence do they have? Do because right. because Matt Patricia's on that team. That's the only type of, of 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 tangible thing they have. They can say that oh, there's a line. Right, a thousand percent. And the, you you every once in a while, if you listen closely, if you find the right podcast, uh, Phil Perry, for example, had Matt Castle on, and was basically trying to get Matt Castle to you know jump on board with his take that the Patriots losing in Oakland and that last preseason game was a big deal and the offense is irreparably broken and Matt Castle explained to him on his own podcast that when you're in the preseason with Belichick and you're installing new things he does not allow the quarterback to audible he doesn't so no matter what the look is they're called carry plays it's an acronym for call and run it which is exactly what you have to do so Mac Jones would is he and he even showed them they had tape up on the YouTube channel and Mac Castle's like see if Mac Jones came to the line of scrimmage with that play called and saw that look on defense he would have he'll check out of it so next Sunday when they play the Dolphins he'll check out of that play but in the preseason when they're just working on the fundamentals and getting everybody where they're supposed to be no, they just run it into a wall. It doesn't matter if they gain a yard or lose 10. What matters is that the left tackles over where he's supposed to be and the right guards where he's supposed, you know, and he, and yet he still goes on and on and on and on about how the offense is irreparably broken based on something that he was just told by a guy who played quarterback for Bill Belichick is not so. So it, it to me, it's so obviously calculated and only morons that buy jerseys that say fire Bill on them are the only ones who understand, who don't understand that they're being trolled. You know, that's what bothers me the most about it. Rob, I just wanted to jump in quick and just sort of carry right on with, you know, full agreement on what you're saying, but additionally, you know, shitting on Peter King a little bit more. Um, Shaq, you mentioned, you know, Pete, with Peter King, with what evidence? Well, Peter King doesn't care about evidence. He well, likes to have serial rapists in the Hall of Fame. And so, he also likes to take pictures, you know, and he also likes to take pictures of, pe of people, of men on, in urinals, so... Yeah, you know, it, Peter, Peter King, long-standing, you know, ignorer of evidence, tells us that the Patriots are, you know, irreparably damaged because Ben Volan tweeted something with, you know, with two digits in his little mittens. So, w wonderful work there. But, Rob, I think highlighting, I, and Joe, you dropped this in the chat, too, the, um, the piece of info you dropped there with the call and run it. Yeah, and that also explains why Mac might not have looked comfortable because he's like, this is not a play I would run in this situation. If you are, if you're doing something at work and somebody asks you to do it slightly differently and says like, we know you normally do it this way. 
but you got to do it this way for this particular client. You're still uncomfortable. You're triple checking your work. You're not you're, you're not running with the same efficiency that you normally would if you were able to call the appropriate, you know, call the appropriate people when you needed to and, you know, do the workarounds you normally do to make it run smoothly. Like people think about football and they think of it like smash mouth, hit man, hit man. And that's a lot of it. Like physicality wins the day in a lot of aspects. But there's the mental piece and it's not that dissimilar from the functions of a day-to-day job when you think of it that way. That's why Bill Belichick says, do your job because there's an assignment and a way to do it and you function and you do it. Audibles are such a huge part of a quarterback's job. And if they are not able to audible out, they're running something and it's essentially trying to put a square peg in a round hole during the preseason. And it makes things additionally challenging, puts strain on them, which again is probably part of Belichick's plan. Get them to understand when they're up against something. So just uh, just want to jump in on that, Rob, as well, because super important point. Yeah, and I, really quickly, I just want to make a point on top of that, too. If, if even 20% of the people watching that preseason game looking for negative things out of it knew that piece of information or, or all the drunk guys at a, at a selfie bar were were at the game watching, just shooting the shit. If they knew that that was, that was part of the plan or that they knew that that was a policy in what they were doing, it would change their entire opinion on the game, or at least I'd hope so. I mean, maybe some, but if I, I, saw, I, I wasn't watching on Friday, and it, maybe I should have been, but regardless of the fact, I saw so much negativity about that, that damn game. And if, if anyone just knew that, that call it and run it policy, that is a fantastic piece of information that you should, in next week, give a chance to use on someone who wants the Patriots to fail because it'll make them look really, really fucking stupid. And there's a lot of people out there that you can use that. So, Rob, thank you for that. Yeah, well, it's um, it's not on every single play, but on on the run plays when they're trying to install new stuff. That's what that's what Matt Castle was saying. I'll show, I'll send you guys the link. Yeah, so I, I want to go back to Ben Volan. Look, I know he eats pastes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I know that he uh, you know, he digs his digs his nose into his skull. We we know we all know this, but I just think that. He, he's even even he even when he's playing even when he's not playing dumb. I think he's worse when he's not playing dumb because he's and a lot of these guys like Andrew freaking Callahan and and Volan, they're playing up not to us, and that's where I think all of this is is stemming from. They're not playing to the audience that they're supposed to be playing to. Mike Reese is the only guy I can say we know who his intended audience is. And he knows who his intended audience is. Everyone else, it seems like they're trying to play to everybody else and not Patriots fans. Because when you have Ben Volan tweeting stuff about, oh, uh, Josh Allen it, uh, being number 13 on the top 100 NFL list, and it's such a big deal, oh, why isn't he there? He's lamenting about that. And then he's talking about uh, Tua um Saying, "Oh, what a what a long pass that was from Tua," uh, even though it was, you know, probably, you know, was one of those Aflac ducks from that Gilbert Godfrey played. But, but these guys are t- are are saying things to the fans, the, to Patriots fans, to us, and and then people are are eating it up. People are like, "Wow, this is so good! Look at what the Patriots beat writer is saying. Look at what." Uh, ben Volan, who works for the Boston Globe, is saying, look at what Tom Curran from NBC Sports Boston is saying. 
see, you have these opposing fans who are who are assuming that because these guys work for work in Boston and work for Boston-based publications and TV stations, that means that they have an end to the Patriots, and that means if nobody else knows, they know, and so that's where you get that's where you get national people to 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 join in and say, well, if they know about it, then we've got to get we've got to get uh, Greg Bedard, who isn't even allowed on the damn uh, on the damn practice field, to Sarah Spain's show. That that's where you get that from, and so it, it's it's truly frustrating, and I wish it wasn't that way, but uh, that's what we're here for, and also. Um, I'm, I'm calling the show Homer isn't an insult for, for a for a specific reason, and that is we're hearing so often. Uh, we've heard it for years now, but even especially now, um, do we trust? Oh, you're a Homer, you're a Bobo, you're a this, you're a that, and it's meant to be as a pejorative. It's meant to be as an insult, as if that's a crime against humanity that you like your team, as if it's and and. Uh, an, ab- an abusive relationship that you can't get out of. I, I, it's it's really unbelievable the language, h- how it's pointed and framed in such a way that it makes it seem like it's a coordinated effort. So with that said, we're going to kick off the first ever MSP 3K segment. So I did that just for you, Joe. <laughs> so, um, and Rob sent this uh, clip, and we're going to listen to the whole clip, and we're going to stop it on occasion, and and to see what we think, and and either and any one of you three, um, let me know when you want me to stop it, because honestly, I haven't listened to the whole clip. Um, I've only listened to like half of it. I know you guys couldn't get through it, but um, can I preemptively ask for you to stop now? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, 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 we're knee deep. We're knee deep in it. Uh, uh, it's, it's it's making a point, so we have to we have to dive in. But uh, uh, Rob sent this to us, and it's just unbelievable. And I, I think that you all should uh, see how terrible it is because it's even even fifteen seconds in, you'll know. I have complete faith in Bill Belichick as the head coach of the Patriots. Forty-four percent said they strongly agree with the statement. Just three percent completely disagree. That is where we begin today's daily thread. We got Tom, Phil, DJ Bean here with me now. And okay, first of all, <laughs> I mean that what a cast of characters that is, right? What a crew! What a <laughs> why is DJ Bean there? BJ Jesus fucking Christ. Guys, with all the commotion during the offseason, not knowing who the offensive coordinator is going to be, who is put who is going to be calling plays out there on the field this season, DJ, how surprised And she goes to him first? <laughs> of all people, she goes to him? <laughs> I I, I just it's un- it's un- first off it's unbelievable the preface le- the the preface le- prefe- uh, prefe- uh, leading in since i can't talk today it's so ridiculous that they lead it off by saying oh only 3% don't and by the uh, way what poll is that from i i wasn't polled we nope. we were were we were we all polled here on the panel nope 
No. And it's, and it's yeah, it's three, you know, and only 3% say this. And there was no offensive coordinator and no play call. That, it's, it's leading the witness, Your Honor. Yes. Before you start this again, before you start this again, while you're listening to these three morons talk, listen to the sanctimony for Patriots fans that drips out of their pores. Listen to how what they think of you. I want all Patriots fans. This is what these guys think of you. They're talking down to you here. Are you that people are just that they still have blind faith in Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. no matter what? And- What were you saying, Bill? It's not blind faith when there is a... Blind, right. Blind faith. There are six Super Bowl (laughs) trophies inside Gillette Stadium right now as we speak. But but blind faith. The biggest critique of Bill Belichick is stuff that happened in 1995. You know what else happened in 1995? Power Rangers the movie came out. (laughs) So unless that has held the test of time. I don't want to fucking hear about Cleveland. And, and by the way, you folks, know, by the way, folks it hasn't. Cinema has improved, as has Bill Belichick. By the way, yeah. uh, that movie cinema has, has not. improved over time. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I do not believe so, though I will say them, like, parasailing down with some, for some reason, snowboards on at the beginning is, like, a core memory for me, and I have no reason to understand why. What was he? Do- what, was he what was he? Dr. Ooze or whatever? <laughs> Ivan Ooze. Ivan Ooze. I know that. I know a disturbingly large amount about Power Rangers because that was my childhood. That was that and, was mine too. Yep, Ivan Ivan Ooze. Oh my! But yes, so cinema has changed and improved over time. Every other coach in the league has improved over time. Maybe Bill Belichick improved between Cleveland and New England, but no one wants to fucking talk about that now. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, uh, when, when we look back and this podcast is seven and a half hours long, we can blame this damn segment because this is hilarious. There's so many there's so many good points that we can look at and just stop. That's why I wanted to do this now because there's, there's just fantastic. so much. Oh, Nina, I am good. 0% surprised. I think that fans, we have to remind ourselves, fan is short for fanatic. Mm. And no. if you're a fan of something, if an artist you love puts out a bad album, typically you're still going to go to that concert because you really like that artist and you really like everything that they do. Patriots fans are going to love the Patriots no matter what. And I mean, breaking news, breaking news. I mean, can, can I, I wish I had the breaking news uh, stinger from uh, CNN. Like, that, that's breaking news. Fans like their team. Oh, my gosh. We see this, whether it's people crying on Twitter or viewers. People crying on Twitter. BJ Dean talking about people crying on Twitter. Can, can I just add that his <laughs> own analogy has already blown up his argument. Because no one says the album sucks before it comes out! <laughs> we don't preemptively say unless, the album sucks! Unless a single comes out, and then we're like, oh, well, this, if the single's not good, then the album's not going to be good. But that usually isn't the case. <laughs> no, and it's the equivalent of us bl- like hearing like an inside, like, oh, Taylor Swift is recording her new album. And you hear like a 10-second clip of her in the studio with none of the backtrack, with none of the other accoutrements that go on. And then going, oh, well, that album's going to suck. You know yeah, who yeah, does that? Have, Haters. They- but they haven't hired a new producer for the album yet. I don't know why they haven't named a producer for the album. So yeah, and, who's and gonna, I haven't heard a single song. And who's going to who's, no who's, producer? Yeah, who's going to do the who's going to do the auto tune? I mean, do we know that yet? Unless I hear who's playing the drums on this album, I'm out before it ever starts. 
<laughs> if it's not Ringo, then it's nobody. Ringo or nobody, exactly. But note, we also hated Ringo last season. Ringo called draws on third and long, <laughs> so we hated Ringo. Wait a minute, but didn't he fail with the uh, with the uh, Partridge family? So, like, he failed with that. So he's definitely not going to do well here. I mean, let's say no. This, was, this has been a fantastic analogy. Remotely critical is said about the team. People get defensive. So if you. What is remote? What, I wonder what he, he he assigns to remotely critical. What is remotely critical about saying that Matt Jones is Jag Jones? Is that critical? Is that remotely critical? No, that's, that's just outright insulting an athlete. But, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, BJ. If I were to ask a bunch of Patriots fans, hey, how's Belichick doing? I expect the answer to be, what do you mean, how's Belichick doing? He's the greatest ever. He's won blah, 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 blah. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, D. When they don't have an argument, they go ba da 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 da, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> so on and so on and so on. Because Big they don't want to. Right. It, it, it's it's the, the yada, yada, yada. And honestly, it's very much like I said earlier objection, you know, leading the witness. This is, it's, a, it's literally a tactic people use in the legal system. They will minimize the other view so that their view seems factually correct. When like that, because they're saying, "Oh, fanatic, fanatic, la da 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 da," uh, you know, and oh, there's all this, uh, you know, oh, they're just gonna say he wins a lot. Well, what the fuck else is there? <laughs> what, what else are we measuring success on? He wins, and we haven't seen a single fucking game of this season after they went to the playoffs last year, and we're acting like they're going one and fifteen. Like I don't. At the end of the day, if somebody has a measured take for them not being good, fine. But if somebody is coming out and just saying the season is fucked based on the preseason and that they're going from a 10 and 7 team to like a 4 or 5 win team, they're being ridiculous. And they have no argument for it at this stage of the game. Now, listen, four weeks in, if they're 0 and 4, talk, say it with your chest. Talk your shit. At that point, there's a concern. But let's not, let, let's not put that ahead of the album release. And I would also say that he's coming off of, as Tom just articulated in the last segment, a good year in a lot of respects. You're a year removed from Cam Newton. You add a lot of new pieces. You have a rookie quarterback starting, and you made the postseason. You didn't win, and you, you faltered down the stretch. But for a lot of teams, that's a successful season. So I think drafting Tom and making Mac Jones in his first year a not only a usable quarterback, but a Pro Bowl-level quarterback, that does a lot for Bill Belichick's Q rating. And I think we have so often walked out on the wobbly branch of criticizing Bill Belichick and his moves and questioning them only to have that branch snap and we end up on our backs looking up and, you were right, Bill, it worked. That fans believe that, okay, the media might be saying that Bill screwed this up, but I'll believe that when I see it because this guy's got some pelts on the wall. Here comes the straw man. Happily ignoring, you know, Malcolm Butler being benched in 2017 or chasing. Okay, that one, that one. Uh, um, we're gonna, we're gonna, and we're, we have another clip coming up from this idiot, Brian Barrett, uh, that I've been requested to play. We will get to that in a moment about this idiot who, you know, putting another uh, idiot straw man about Malcolm Butler. Okay, let's get back to this ridiculous clip. A Hall of Fame tight end and a Hall of Fame quarterback and, you know, a litany of bad drafting decisions. But still, all that being equal, the point you make, everybody still has the, the, 
the concert tour shirts from 2014, 16, 18, oh, and 07. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't begrudge them at all. For- what does that even mean? What does that even mean? As if, mean? I guess that's in the past. I guess he's trying to say, those are in the past, so it's what have you done for me lately? I guess that's what he's trying to say, if, as, if, as if they don't matter. If we're right, not allowed but, to use the past as evidence, why do they get to use the future as evidence that hasn't happened yet? But because they're being ridiculous, because they will, they're being disingenuous, they will use, again, Bill's Cleveland Browns record against him, which, again, going back to 1995, the number one song in 1995, Gangsta's Paradise. <laughs> Gangsta's Paradise. And we're talking about Bill's record from when Gangsta's Paradise was number one. Come on. Terrible. For that, I think that it's just kind of tough to see eye to eye. If I mean, you probably get it worse than any of us because you've been doing it forever and you've been covering the Patriots. And I'm sure that a lot of people say, "I remember when Tommy Kern was more positive about the Patriots." And I can guess the years when you were most positive about the Patriots. They probably won Super Bowls those years. Yeah, that's the ironic thing about it is, you know, criticizing Bill Belichick or actually reporting what you're seeing and giving a litany of reasons. So, if you're actually reporting what you're seeing. Hmm. Is that really what you're seeing or what you want people to see? I think the big thing that stands out to me about that part of the clip is that it's again, for, first of all, Joe, you, you, I, you sort of meant you sort of alluded to the uh, ball washing that was happening there. You know, so I have to highlight that. Um, but what it really is, is it's again, that lawyer speech. <laughs> You know, the litany of reasons that we shouldn't be, you know, that we should be critical of Bill Belichick. But when they talked about going out on the branch and falling down and saying, oh, you were right, Bill. They made it sound like the most small, minute thing. Like, we inched out there when really the equivalent is touching a hot stove. They burn themselves. Then they burn themselves again. Then they burn themselves again. And then they start to resent the stove for continuing to burn them. Why things are is seen as being critical, whereas when you say, okay, these are the things that are leading to them winning Super Bowls, ah, yeah, good job. But I, I think that it's really interesting. And Bill, does Bill deserve it? Wait, sorry. Is current, did current turn into a Fitzy now? Like, trying to do a fake Boston accent? I, I didn't need to know. Oh, you wait. I didn't, he, does, yeah. he does an impersonation of Patriot fans. This is what I'm oh, talking about. Listen okay. to how he talks yeah. to fans. I, I'm pretty sure that was... Curran's vinegar soaks, and I never want to hear it again. I guess. Mm. Is this a level of deference that even if he's staggering along at 70 a little bit right now, is this a level of deference that the greatest coach... What the hell is staggering? What? What? Is that an old joke? Is is that an ageist joke? Nice in 22 years. (laughs) They made... Deference. Deference. They made the playoffs. There hasn't been a game in the regular season of an NFL season since the Patriots made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. And he's stumbling along like Mr. Magoo meandering around the NFL like, go fuck yourself, Tommy Curran. In NFL history and maybe American professional sports should be able to enjoy, even if it's maybe not accurate. Sure. I mean, these are fans. Again, they, they didn't poll local media people. They didn't poll people. What is inaccurate? They, they've said litany of reasons. We've branched out and we've been wrong. There's a ton of reasons we should be critical. 44% of people believe that he's great and that we shouldn't, you know, that, that it's beyond reproach and whatever. 
They haven't said one thing in this entire clip that explains why people should be critical of Bill Belichick. Not the critiques they're providing. They haven't said, why should someone be critical? It's just, they're not critical. They're fanatics. It's like a kid Did you who hear what has Phil a Perry just said and didn't actually read the book. Do you hear what Phil Perry just said? He just said, oh, of course that's the poll. They polled fans. They didn't poll the media, guys. You know, they, they think they're not only do they think they're on a, the same level as Bill Belichick intellectually when it comes to football. They think they are light years smarter Higher. than fan. That's what they yeah. think, you know, and that's yep. what they, they look down on. Them that's the problem. As though there's some sort of, you know, oh, they, those are the kids who ride the short bus, you know, that kind of stuff yep. as though we're complete morons. Like we don't know anything and they know all. So they, what they need to do is pull the media because that'll really tell you what it is. It's such just absolute sanctimonious horseshit. People that were at training camp every day. That's what, one of the things that's interesting about that final preseason game was it felt like finally the rest of the football viewing public could see what we had been seeing on a daily basis. And so we come out, we report it. People either don't love it or. We're talking about a preseason game. You know that we're not talking about week, week 18 in a regular season NFL game. We're talking about a preseason game. Oh, uh, Sha- right. Shaq, you need to put Don't in the Allen that. Iverson quote right there. Allen Iverson quote right there. Don't forget, this is Phil Perry talking right now. He's already had Matt Castle on his podcast who explained a lot of this stuff to him. It's also, I think Mac Jones played, what, two series? Yeah, and but doomed. Gr- great, guys. You were right about the Patriots struggled in practice, and then their starters played two series and lost in a preseason game. Congratulations. Why are you doing a victory lap on NBC Sports Nation or whatever it is, whatever it's shitty fucking broadcast company is? Why are you doing that right now? What is the point of this? That makes no sense. Or at least come to accept it, and then they see it for themselves. And now maybe their opinion changes a little bit. I'm not yeah. exactly sure when this opinion, when this poll was was taken over what stretch of time. Right. But, you know, I wonder if it had just started after that third preseason game what some of these answers would but, be. But oh. Even still, I kind of feel like people, when they watch, even though, like, you made a really good point, Tom. Like, when things are going good, they say, oh, okay, like, everything is going good, like, everything is right. But then when things are not going so good and you're reporting what you're seeing, they then people mad. think. Okay, I don't know who this woman is, but cape for him less, please, lady. Like, come on, have some dignity for yourself. Like, I know you didn't get there on your merits. I mean, come on, so please. Have have some type of dignity. It's stunning to me that they'll go around, and this is literally a segment where they're bitching about being called out for their for being so single minded in their takes. And what they're doing to loop once again to the legal takes is trying to say, no, no, the other side is single-minded. It's political takes, legal takes, all do this. The other side is single-minded. We are the source of all knowledge. We are the source of all knowledge. Yeah, of course Tommy Curran is going to write about them possibly having a shot to win the Super Bowl when they're in the AFC Championship game. But, you know, why don't you go back to week two, three, four, five of those seasons when Bill Belichick for 20 years has said the real football don't start till Thanksgiving. 
let's let's go back to those and see what articles Tom E. Curran was writing. Because I'm going to guarantee they were, you know, not as glowing. And really, at this point, unless I want to know what the bleach Tom Sr. uses on his asshole tastes like, I'm not going to take Tom E. Curran's opinion with any level of merit or expertise. It's yeah. overblown. But they get mad at you, yeah. Instead of, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, that was bad not drafting any tight ends for, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years straight. It's like, what? Um, what? <laughs> they, 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 they didn't value the position as highly in the draft because that's what was relevant at that point in time and they brought in players like Algie Crumpler they brought it you know they brought like you know they, they, they and they had Rob Gronkowski right right like they brought in consistently you know Bennett another one like they brought right, in consistently those, those the, the, they brought in veteran talent even because even, they were competing even, now even uh, uh Crumpler I mean uh, uh, yeah uh, uh, the guy from the Bills uh, I forget his name it's just why would why would like it's, it's the yes right. yes that's it. it but it's the equivalent of why would the bills not draft a, a first round defensive end why did they sign von miller like cuz the bills are in win now mode cuz that's what you do you draft where you want to develop a lot of players you don't need a lot of tight ends you need a lot of corners you need a lot of running backs you need a lot of you don't need a lot of tight ends on your roster as attributed to the fact that we currently have two on our active roster. So that's like, it's a cost benefit analysis. You bring in veterans for that spot because they were more cost effective than veterans at other positions. And because you don't need to carry as many of them on your roster, but you know, nuance doesn't seem to be the strong suit of NBC slash org backslash yeehaw radio. Well, who else would you have taken in 2020 instead of Dalton Keene and Devin Asi? Well, uh, nobody in 2020. How about... Was that his his, uh, um, terrible uh, accent, uh, Rob, that you were looking at? Because that was... That's us. Wow. That's That's us. That's who he thinks we we are. Amazing. 2015, when Phil was saying take George Kittle. But we're getting far afield. Uh, Phil, really quickly, what would it take, though, for fans to not have that... So, if I heard that correctly, George Steele went in the fifth round, number one forty-six. If you're keeping score at home, by the right? Way. And note that at that point, he would have had what a four-year deal, and so you would have had to have chosen between Kittle and Gronkowski in 2019. So you are either without Gronk for that last run, which Brady, I don't think, is you know fucking around with. Or you are without George Kittle or trading George Kittle. Like, it is far from a guarantee George Kittle would have even been on the roster, which wouldn't have altered a damn thing about drafting Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. Faith in Bill Belichick. I know that, Curran, you kind of touched on it, that, you know, Bill Belichick is one of the going to go down as one of the best coaches in the NFL. Like, what would it take for him to have to, for fans not to have oh, any faith in them. It would take something drastic, right. I would right. think, right? I, I would say even if the year blew up on them and they won three games, I'm sure still a significant percentage of these people would look at it and say, well, if they can just get the coaching changes right and bring somebody in here who has an offense, Mac Jones can still play. We know that. We saw it. The roster's not that bad. They got a lot of cap space. Bill Belichick's done it before. Like, 
Like, I don't know if it's possible, Amina, to answer so, the question. Yeah. I, I really don't if know if it's possible. So, again, here are all the reasons that you should believe in Bill Belichick and the situation he has set up for not only this year, but future years. But we're going to make them sound as small as possible. And we're also going to say, what? Wait, what if we – disaster. What if we win three games? Yeah. You, I'm not. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start questioning a coach when they start losing games. You're right. Like, it's a novel concept. I will start questioning a coach when a coach starts losing routinely. And if I see that the team, if I see that the team isn't giving 100 percent effort, and the team in that results in lose in losing. Then that's when I say, oh, well, there's something going on coaching-wise. They made the damn, so then, they made the fucking playoffs last year. God. Go ahead, Rob. I was just saying, like, can we at least wait until he, he falls on his face just once, maybe? And then maybe we can all pile on, or do we do this pre- – like, what's the race? Apparently he has fall, fallen on his face. Apparently this preseason is the evidence. No, 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 no. The evidence is when he was with the Cleveland Browns twelve years before the iPhone one released. That that is that is what our evidence is that he's fallen on his face before, and it's just like the evidence that he will again. Also, don't forget the litany of reasons that we need to be worried that were referenced. The very vague litany. Yes, of litany. The litany of reasons being that. Right. Even right. though they won a super, even though he, they they won a Super Bowl after that, the number one show on television right. in 1995 was ER. So that that's mm-hmm. that's that's how that uh, that was on that was on my list. Yeah, <laughs> 1995, the year of yep. the O.J. Simpson trial, is what we're talking. The year I was born. Yeah. Sorry for that, but I wanted oh, to say that the year oh, that I was hurts. born. That hurts. Oh man, yeah, that, yeah. that's rough. Yeah, <laughs> love you guys. Yep, 1995, the year the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened. These, this is the year we are discussing with Belichick's last failing year. With Tom Brady, Which really, go someplace yeah. else, coach another team, have success, mm-hmm. and piss people off. That's it, because, Phil, if this season blows up and they have three wins, you know what they'll do? They'll point to the offseason and say, this was a master plan. What? <laughs> I just I can't. We are we are the biggest Homer podcast, and I will tell you with a, with dead certainty, I will not say ever that Bill Belichick's master plan involved losing games. <laughs> DJ Bean practiced that line in the mirror for a good forty oh minutes before. God, if there was a, if there was a time to tank, it was the Cam Newton year, and yeah. they didn't do it. Because Bill Belichick doesn't believe in tanking. So if they go 3-14 and 14 or whatever it would be this year, you will not hear me say that Bill Belichick had some master plan to lose 14 games. Yeah. I, like You will not hear that from me, and I doubt you'll hear it from most of the people on the Entitled Podcast Network, lest it be a joke. Yeah, that, that deserves it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's unbelievable. Um, well, there's only 20 more seconds of this, <laughs> so it's been, I, I, it's been 84 it's, years. Yeah, it's it's rough. I know it is, but let's see. They're going to reset the coaching staff. They're going to take a freaking guard in the first round. The plan, a freaking guard, a freaking guard. So because because that is bad. Why did you take a freaking guard, Bill Belichick? Until 
they say who's going to protect Mac Jones. And then it will be why doesn't Bill Belichick invest in the offensive line? Because there is the foolproof take. Bill, you're triggering me. <laughs> was to do this. And again, I'm not making fun of fans for this because. Yeah, the last five minutes wasn't um, uh, uh, making fun of fans. Yeah, you know, fans you're fanatic. fanatic. Yeah. Well, I'm just kind of maybe pushing, up, but like maybe poking at the error of their ways, whatever it may be. Yes, oh, Mr. Perfect, DJ Bean, you are so perfect. The air of fans' ways. The air. How dare you root for your You're, you're not fanning correctly. Stop. They went to the playoffs last year. They, 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 they went to the playoffs last year. And really, when I say last year, it's still in this calendar year. In the year 2022 AD, the Patriots went to the playoffs. It was like seven months ago. The Patriots do is according to a plan. Well, that's, that's, that's... All right, that's it for that. We... Thank God. I think we're all better for powering through that. Oh, but... I think it's people. Oh, but we're not done. We're not done yet. Because <laughs> uh, by request, uh, this guy who, you know, I've been wanting to talk about him on file, uh, Brian Barrett, who I've never listened to his podcast, um, but uh, Mike uh, Mike Irons from uh, Entitled Town does, and he's, I don't know what to say about him, really. I think he's trying to masquerade as something that he isn't, um, but here's one of the clips that uh, Iron had posted that's just weird. Two goals at the end there against Tuca, but this team had a real opportunity to sort of separate itself from the 08 Celtics, who won the one championship, and they act like they won 45 championships. What? does that mean <laughs> and then the best one or the worst one uh brian barrett uh putting a well, well i don't know how i should say this putting a, a a notion out there that bill belichick was not only compensated but it was it was a conspiracy the malcolm butler conspiracy Still, we'll never know what's going on. Everybody thinks they know exactly what happened. We will never know what happened. You could argue that Butler just got hush money. He got put in the IR and he got paid. They came to a settlement. So he's not going to say anything. He would have already said something by now. He signed that huge contract with the Titans. He's never said anything. He's never said anything, right? All you have to do is Google. All you have to do is Google. Google exists. Butler has said a lot of things since then, and, and he said nothing about Bill Belichick or anything. But the fact that he said, yeah, you could argue, you could argue, that, that, that that's the straw yeah. man they put out there. You could argue. I don't get why they have to generate that conspiracy theory. I don't understand what the point of it is, right? Like, why is there such hatred for Belichick that they have to make this conspiracy theory that he only signed Butler in to, I mean, really not make the team, get cut, and get an injury settlement so he could pay off for why he didn't start in the Super Bowl. It's it's insane. The, the amount of conspiracy theories behind Belichick and money and how he gives his kids money under the table and how Belichick is just stealing money from the crafts and not paying his coaches, it is it's insane the the lengths with all this go. money that he has under the table. Like, is there any for himself? It's it's the the, the oh my god! I have no words. Do you do, do you guys remember when the Aaron Hernandez trial was going on, and there was the news that broke for about three hours 
that there were like 47 pages of text messages between Aaron Hernandez and Bill Belichick. And everyone immediately went, Bill Belichick doesn't text anybody that much. Like it was like, oh my God, the world is ending. And then it came out three hours later that the way it was printed was that there was one text message either to or from Belichick on each page. So it was 47 total messages between the two over the span of several years. So it's the same level of disingenuous reporting that happens in the attempt to be first. And that's not a sports media problem. That's just a media problem. People rush to be first. We saw that with the Manti Teo documentary. We saw that a lot of places. There's a lot of that that goes on, and people try to do that. And it spirals to the point where hot take artists like this are then empowered to say that Bill Belichick could have issued hush money to Malcolm Butler. It's the most absurd thing you could imagine, but it's based in shoddy reporting and rushes to be first. And it's that's how all of these things spiral. 11 out of 12 balls, you know, significantly deflated by however many pounds, you know, it, the Mort Report tweet. Like, it always starts with the disingenuous, ill-reported tweet that leads to these really insulting and really inappropriate, you know, hot takes that come. Remember when Mark You're Brunel You're a thousand percent right. Bill, you're a thousand percent right. And I will tell you this, that one clip, that clip that we just had to suffer through and the listeners had to suffer through the, the thing that I cannot get away from is how much smarter they think they are than every Patriot fan on earth and the four of us. And then with the only thing that separates the, or that should separate them from us is that they should have sources in the building. They claim to have sources in the building. I worked in TV news for over a decade. I can tell you right now, the easiest way to spot a reporter that actually has sources in the building, they break a story. It's that simple. None of these guys break stories with the exception of Jim McBride. Not even Mike Reese breaks stories. Mike Reese just retweets Schefter who gets it from the agents. But none of When was the last time Phil Perry broke a story? When was the last time Tom... Tom Curran broke a story when they released Cam Newton last year. Do you remember that? They released Cam Newton. It was big news. You think if somebody had a source in the building, their source would have fed them that one, right? Mm -hmm. No one had it except Jim McBride. And then they all piled on Jim McBride. And then what did they say in their tweets? Evan Lazar. Well, I just confirmed with my source in the building. Really? Really? Your source in the building? Like they don't have sources. They are no different than we are. Yet they talk down to us as though, you know, as though we're supposed to look up to them and their opinions matter and ours don't. It's just absurd. Listen, they they might have sources, quote unquote, in the building, but it's probably like Dorito Dink. Like it's that level of source. It's it's not I've got the GM on speed dial. It's I've got the equipment manager's hairdresser who comes into the building once every three months and might hear a whisper of something or can text them and get me in it. It's it's this ridiculous thing that's like sources in the building tell me that no that you you know what your source is and your source isn't finding out until the rest of the world finds out more often than not and that's why they're like texting them after the fact and like oh yeah i just took cam newton's placard off of his locker he got cut like yeah the equipment guy knows at that point so yeah you might get like a minute lead but it's not enough and it's not verifiable and that's why they don't break stories 
Rob, you make an excellent you point. You think the, uh, the Chinese uh, jersey maker could make me a Dorito Dink Patriots jersey? Listen, if they'll make Fire Bill, I'm sure they'll make Dorito Dink. Rob, you make, a, you make an excellent point as to um, when, you, when you reference the media talking down to you, right? And it's a, I'm smarter than you, and I, I think there's just a general lack of accountability. Um, I don't think we're ever going to see a media person of that ilk of the Tommy Kearns, of the Greg Bedards, of the people who talk down you. Like the big Jim Murrays, he's someone who obviously talks down you. I mean, Felger to an extent. Um, you'll never see an accountability of them admitting they were wrong on something, right? It's a, it's a, I'm smarter than you, I'm smarter than you until I'm not, and then I just disappear. Or I'm not there when the time comes and i got to eat my crow. Um, guys like that we like that we seem like cool people to be around. Like Reese. I don't think he's ever talked down anyone in any tone during, during a tweet. Or even when he's owning a guy, it's still very respectful. Jeff Howe was someone who didn't talk down you, didn't act like he was smarter than you. I think that's a theme that we kind of gloss over other than the fact that they're just being assholes or being disingenuous. It's, it's this whole idea that I'm smarter than you and that's why. And I think that's most evident in, in Greg Bedard and the weird things he brags about the tone in which he talks it talks to you and it's like no 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 don't don't talk to me that way i want to have a discussion with you i don't want to i don't want you to tell me i'm gonna outlive my children or i don't want to outlive my children like big jim murray so it's just i think that is something that we might gloss over but that's an excellent point that they it's just they talk down to you and it's just rude and i think that's where a lot of it stems from yeah, well, let's get to um, an email or t- technically a DM that I got from uh, Vinny Jace, our, 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 the Entitled Town uh, emailer of choice. And uh, he says, uh, well, he has two questions, but really it's one. Um, what makes Tua so difficult for New England to play against? And he says, what do you expect on opening day? I feel this can range from a complete shit show by virtue of the Dolphins' history with New England or the negative energy surrounding the Patriots is so much, they have to come out and decisively blow the fins out. And I've been telling you guys from probably two or three weeks ago, um, just in my gut, I feel like they're going to shock people. And again, yeah, this isn't being a homer homer. Maybe it is, but I just, I go with my gut. I'm not a predictions person, but my gut is telling me, all of this negativity is seemingly like something's got to give. And, and I know, I know the team is listening, um, maybe not to everything, but I know they're listening to some of it and it's gotta be sticking in their crawl too. And so I, I, I think that we haven't really heard a lot. So I think that, that something is brewing. I mean, how about you guys? I, I'll start with the Tua thing. I, I think, the same thing that made made it hard to defend Josh Allen, the same thing that made it hard to defend a lot of quarterbacks that are on their schedule this year. It was that sideline to sideline speed when something they addressed in the offseason. You know, I think that's like, how's that for not being, you know, you know, praying at the altar of Belichick, footy pajama, Bobo, speaking to an issue that was there that they correct that they were looking to correct because they were slower at the linebacker position than makes sense for this upcoming season and what they, the challenges they will face. I think this defense is better equipped to handle both the scramble quarterbacks like Tua and the speed wide receivers he has with Hill and Waddle. So I think that that's something that they're looking to address, but that is what makes it hard. Um, And then for 
you know, I'm not a predictions guy either, Shaq. I, I, I just, I don't believe it, especially first month of the year, because it's an extension of the preseason. It's not this, it's not this wealth of, you know, information that's available to you. What I'll say is that this game is critical for the Dolphins. It is critical for the Dolphins to get this win. I feel it is slightly less important for the Patriots to win this game because they're on the road. They're expected to be underdog. You know, they're underdogs. They're expected to lose. Miami has been a house of horrors over the years. If they win that game, it can be a little bit of off to the races for the Patriots. If the Dolphins win that game, they're holding court. And so I think that this game and a big key to it is how the Dolphins respond to the pressure that is on them for this game. I think the Patriots will come out as the Patriots will as the Patriots do. I think they'll be prepared. I think they'll be ready. I think they're going to have a good opportunity to win the game. But I think the, how the Dolphins respond to the pressure will have a lot to do with the way this game plays out. Do they come out all fired up by it, or do they shrink under it? And that will really determine: is it a close game? Is it a blowout? Is it a you know, in any which combination of those? Um, but. So it's a half-assed prediction on my part. I'll, you know, I I own that, but it's I, I think it's all about how the Dolphins respond to the pressure of being the favorites and needing this win to start the season off the way they want to, and it being the home game where they typically do beat the Patriots in the in recent memory. Yeah, I think an element. I'll I'll keep it quick just because I'm sure we've touched a lot on it. But I think there's an, also an element to this game that we're overlooking is the coaching matchup outside of just Bill Belichick. Um, it's McDaniel's first game as a head coach, first game. So I think there's going to be some some built-in nerves there. And it's also his first games against the Patriots and Bill Belichick, which could I mean we've seen before it leads coaches to piss themselves on the biggest stage. So I think that might be something we might be overlooking. But I do think the Patriots do match up well. I mean that if the the adjustments they made in the roster in the offseason do um, highlight some deficiencies they had in terms of of sideline to sideline speed or, or or what have you. And Belichick's always done a good job of game planning against. Tyree Kill, and that's Tyree Kill with Patrick Mahomes. That's not Tyree Kill with Tua. So I think that's something we got to keep in mind. And you know what? I, the Patriots are relatively healthy. I want to knock on wood for for training camp in preseason. I know they lost Tyquan Thornton and Ty Montgomery might might not be playing, and Isaiah Wynn might not be. But on the grand scheme of things, they are relatively healthy, which is something that we can't understate and obviously when the Patriots teams are healthy that's when they're best and that's I mean injuries screwed them a lot of times at a Super Bowls when Brady was still here whether it be a Gronk injury or 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 numerous other players that got injured but I think it's 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 just things are lining up like Shaq said for them to shock the world and it's been a lot of negative talk and I could see them winning 31-17 or 24 17 something of that note so i do think it's a win obviously i'm i am a homer so i do think they're going to win but i actually do genuinely believe that they're they do match up well and it's a favorable matchup for them yeah um i'm not really a huge prediction guy like usually game day i'll throw one out just out of more screwing around than anything but um 
to weigh in on the first question that Vinny asked. Um, I'm not an expert like Phil Perry and Tom Curran, so I'm not going to answer the question. But my take on that is I don't think Tua has necessarily, like, quote-unquote, lit the Patriots up. I think when the Patriots lost to the Dolphins twice last year, it was the Patriots kind of stepping on their own dicks. You know, it was Damian Harris with the fumble in the first game. And then in the second game, it was Mac Jones with the pick six, you know, and then it just kind of opened the floodgates. And the Patriots, you know, were coming back in that game, but it was just a little too little too late. Um, but I do think the thing that I've been keeping an eye on in terms of the Dolphins is, and Joe kind of touched on it from the Patriots side of it, is um, the Patriots are relatively healthy. The Dolphins are not. Um, their number two corner, Byron Jones, is out. He, I don't think he's playing. And Jalen Waddle hasn't practiced all summer. He's got some sort of what they're calling like a – a lower body like muscle injury. I don't know if it's a hamstring or whatever it is. Um, the last thing I saw was he finally returned to practice and is on track to play week one. But if he hasn't played all summer long and has some sort of a muscle strain or pulled something, that's not good. And if Jalen Waddle's not 100%, I really like the speed of this Patriots defense against that Dolphins team when you don't have both of those guys at 100%. So um, I like the fact the Patriots are going down there early to get a little taste of the heat before they get out there. And um, I think, you know, getting out ahead would be nice. You know, you don't want to play you catch up when it's 2000 degrees outside and your defensive line is cashed, you know, so um yeah I think honestly I mean I'm always going to pick them to win because I, I'm a homer and at least I admit my biases um but uh, I think they're going to win I'm not going to throw a score out there but I think the Patriots are going to win I think they'll be able to kind of shut Tua down um to a certain degree and I don't think you're going to see you know the, what what made Tyreek Hill so difficult for the Patriots to defend was that you know he could run 80 yards down the field and Mahomes could throw it 95 yards down the field to it, that's not to his game. To his, they're going to do that sort of short passing game thing, I would imagine, where they try and give it to him like eight yards on a slant and see if he can take it, you know, from there. I, I just don't see. Uh, I, I don't know. I, and the other thing too, one more quick point. I think a lot of teams treat week one almost like a playoff game where they throw like the kitchen sink out there, a lot of trick plays, things like that. So that's why I think in week one you see a lot of inferior teams, you know, upset teams that are better. Uh, because they do throw kind of the kitchen sink out there trying to get that first win. Belichick's never really operated like that. He doesn't want to put that stuff on tape early on in the year. So um, I, I don't know. I think there's. I think the Patriots are going to win, I guess. Long story short, I think the Patriots are going to win. All right, great. So um, I, Patriots football, again, in six days. That If you're not excited about it, then, then why are you listening to this podcast? So – um, let's get to final thoughts now. Bill, what's your final well, thought? Well, originally my final thought was going to be all the stuff from 1995 with the Browns, but I was able to sprinkle that in throughout the pod. Um, so I, I think really what I just want to hit on is the difference between expectations and sort of, you know, expectations and predictions. I think that there are a lot of people that are in the two right now. And they are saying that the, you know, they are predicting that the Patriots will do X, Y, and Z, but they're not saying what would make it a successful year. They're not describing what success looks like. And so there's not an attainable metric for the Patriots. People have asked several times when I've been going back and forth with people on Twitter, um, because I have no chill, what their, you know, what does success look like this year? And no, it's not a bridge year. It's not, you know, they made the playoffs last year. But to me, the true metric of success this year for this team is Mac Jones developing, taking a step forward. Players like Barmore 
Stevenson taking steps forward, getting Thornton strange in the fold and assessing what what you have on those players that you have on one-year deals that you might want to bring back for a couple more seasons moving forward, a la Adrian Phillips a couple years back when they um, when they'd signed him to a, to a couple-year extension there. So there, there's a lot of assessment of talent that is going on this year to really understand the targeted approach they're going to take to free agency in 2023. Um, and so do I think that, the, like, for me, success is the step forward that prepares them to be labeled as quote-unquote contenders in 2023. That should include improvement in your record. That should include, you know, a playoff berth. But if you don't see those things because injuries riddle the team, if you don't see those things because, you know, they just happen to run into some juggernaut teams or somebody gets suspended they weren't expecting or, you know, whatever the reason, if you don't see those things, it doesn't necessarily mark it as an unsuccessful season. People want them to win the Super Bowl every year. I certainly do. But I'm not going to mark every single season that they don't win the Super Bowl as a failure. Because that's the difference between, you know, sort of expectations and predictions. I want my expectations are that they develop the young players to be in the best position to be successful this year and for multiple years to come. And part of that is all the coaching stuff, all of the drafting stuff, all of the new players on one-year deals, all of those items. That all is a component of it. And that's why people need to hone in on what's being developed as opposed to the you know, quote unquote, here's the number, here's the record, here's the this, because they could be 11 and six and Mac Jones could look like crap. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not, but they have tools around him where he could not look good and they could, their record could be a successful one. But I would look at that and say, I would have liked the season more had Mac Jones continued to take his steps forward because long-term that's going to hurt us. And so really thinking through, like, what do you want from this season is something that I urge fans to do as they're going in so that they can look at the end and go, was it successful or was it not in my eyes? So that people don't dare call them fanatics and say that they don't have any critical bone in their body. Because God forbid we piss off Tommy Curran and, you know, BJ Dean. So that, that, that's my thought. Just think about what you want from a season like this. And, you know, the hope they win a Super Bowl the expectations, and the predictions. They're all different things. Uh, Joe, your turn. How about you? Final thought. Yeah. So um, my final thought is based kind of surrounded by the media and local media from here compared to different markets. And I, the, the story I'm going to highlight is, is Brady's absence from training camp down in Tampa Bay. Um, obviously it was for personal reasons. We don't know what's going on to an extent, but I, I do want to point out how that was covered in Tampa Bay as opposed to how it would have been covered up here. I know a few years back when the Patriots won Super Bowl 53, Brady took the week off for voluntary OTAs. And I know that was a talking point on 98.5 for weeks to come. And it was a built-in excuse for those guys to be like, well, if Brady had come to OTAs, if Brady had did this, he's not fully committed, he hates Belichick, it's blah, blah, blah. And obviously for us as in, on this podcast and people who have <clears throat> similar thinking patterns to us in terms of the Patriots, it's a frustrating thing to hear. It makes no sense. It's disingenuous. But could you imagine the outrage we would have gotten here if Brady took 11 days off? for personal reasons, whether it be for his wife or for traveling or health or, or whatever, we would be 
98.5 would be riddled with callers calling for Giselle's head, saying that the Patriots Super Bowl's off, they're not going to win, Brady, Brady gives up, Brady hates Belichick, Brady's this, Brady's that. And down in Tampa, it's just, I, I, I mean, I don't live down there, I don't have any connections down there or whatever, but I, I don't think we got that outrage. I don't think we got the crazy, obsessive, analytic outrage of, why isn't he here, the season's over, and, and I can tell you this, if the, if the Buccaneers start 0-1, or if they start 1-1, or 2-2, I'm sure they're not going to be harping on that. I'm sure it's going to be something totally different. So it's it's just another thing to keep in mind when you're listening to the local sports media, now they try and push narratives on you or change your way of thinking or give you these ideas that you think you can use in the in the break room at the office and sound original and sound cool it's like no you stole that from the radio just like you steal every other opinion from the radio right it's like we won the super bowl and you know what brady took a week off because he wanted didn't want to be at voluntary otas the bucks are gonna be good this year and you know what they're not gonna lose three games three extra games or two extra games or, or what have you because Brady missed 11 days it's just I, I couldn't imagine the entire time he was away I think it was, they said it was an 11 day absence so the two and a half weeks of work time I couldn't imagine the coverage we would have gotten here it would have been Brady update Brady this is he here they're following his planes here oh my god Giselle and him are gonna get a divorce oh my god it would have been incessant and awful. And just another example in reason why you need to turn off your radios. Well, like I said in the chat, Joe, he's not our problem anymore. So I could care less about what they're going through because. Amen you know, to that. Brady, Brady's canceled in this house, but you know, that's another story. Uh, Rob, how about you? you so my final thought is going to be a, uh, fairly quick i hope um so i don't think we necessarily hammered ben voland as much as i was hoping we would um but uh the the thing that i think people need to really realize about ben voland and chris gasper and all these guys is excuse me stop looking at the outlet they write for you know people look and peter king mentioned it today he said when he put that screenshot of the voland tweet he said voland writes uh, covers the patriots for the boston globe which means people are still under the false impression that the Boston Globe Sports Department is still a credible source of news, which it is clearly not when they employ people like Ben Volan and Chris Gasper. That's the problem is people look at that. This is not, to quote Rick Pitino, Will McDonough's not walking through that door. This is not the old school Boston Globe where, I mean, could you imagine what Will McDonough would do in that Patriots media tent right now if he were alive? He would be in there throwing haymakers at people. That's what he would be doing. But um, so just be very careful when you see that, oh, well, he's the Boston Globe sports writer. Well, he's a moron. That's the problem. You know, that's the problem. But uh, my final thought, and then I will be done, is there actually is a bright side to all this shitty Patriots coverage that we've been getting. And the bright side is, and I shared this with you guys earlier, the bright side is that when Volan and Curran and all these guys get out there and start talking to the national audience about how bad the Patriots are, they drive down the lines to the, in the gambling lines. So for example, the over under on Patriots wins for the 2022 season on both DraftKings and FanDuel is eight and a half wins, which means if you bet the under, you're betting the Patriots are going to be under 500 to me, nine wins for the Patriots. And I win is stealing. And the only reason why that line is eight and a half is because of Ben Volan, is because of Tom Curran, is because of Chris Chris Gasper and Greg Bedard and all those other guys. So, guys, thank you. My bank account thanks you. 
your assholery actually has a, an upside to it. So that's my final thought. Yeah, that's perfect, Rob. And <laughs> well, well, they'll see it. And then, of course, we're going to backtrack once all that happens. Uh, so my final thought is, uh, well, I'm, I'm blocked by a lot of people on Twitter because of the way I am. And uh, the most recent block that I've gotten is from one Jim Donaldson of, well, of nobody because he's unemployed. But uh, he used to be for the uh, Providence Journal, I believe. I could be wrong. But he... Uh, has been on this absolute tantrum fest the last week and a half uh, for whatever reason, uh, talking about, you know, Bill Parcells is a better coach than Bill Belichick. <laughs> and it's funny because Bruce Allen of the uh, Boston Media, Boston Sports Media Watch, he found a quote from Jim Donaldson saying that he didn't even think that starting Tom Brady was a good idea back in 2001. <laughs> he says in, in, in the headline, he says, Bill Belichick probably hoped to avoid a quarterback controversy. Instead, he's created one by telling Drew Bledsoe that barring unforeseen circumstances, Tom Brady will be the quarterback for the main season. So, yeah, Bruce Allen says, Bill Belichick is only one because the quarterback, I said he was a moron for sticking with. That's quite a take. And it is. It, it really is. And so... You know, I was arguing with Jim Donaldson talking about, well, first of all, he hashtags Tom Brady because obviously somebody who's hashtagging Tom Brady is trying to get clout based off of his name. So you're not slick there, Jim Donaldson. And then number two, this is your boy. Is this your king of Jim Donaldson? Is this your boy? One of the common defenses you read about Bill Parcells is that how supposedly great he was at rebuilding. In New England, he only made it to the Super Bowl once under him, which totally coincidentally was the year Bill Belichick was added as an assistant head coach and defensive backs coach. In New York, they've made it to zero Super Bowls since they took over their team. Dallas has made it to zero Super Bowls since he took over their team. Miami has made it to zero Super Bowls since he took over their team. Notice a trend? He's a fraud. And it, it, it boggles the mind how people like him and other bootlickers – media bootlickers of Parcells, it, it just they're all friends and they're all part of the mafia. They keep continuing to push this fraudulent nomination either for him to be in the Patriots Hall of Fame, either, I guess, as a nod to the guy who who rubbed their bellies and made their jobs easy for four years, or more a slam to the guy who's made their lives difficult for 20 years and has been way more successful than he ever will be. And, you know, he's a Hall of Fame head coach, maybe. But for the time he was in New England, he wasn't, period. Barcells was a master builder of teams, but he wasn't a maintainer of those teams. And his MO was to hop, skip, and jump from team to team to team and then parlay that team during the building process into a team with top-notch talent and then move on when the message was fading. Yeah, and the other two great skills he had, very good at finding good assistants and letting them do their thing. I mean, because his Giants days, he had great assistants do good things beyond Bill Belichick. And, yes, he gave great press conferences. He made their jobs entertaining. And, yeah, they're, they're loyal. The Parcells, like Moses, they're, you know, this myth of the and him and his apologist is that after years of wandering in the desert, he's wandering into town and led this moribund shit-for-brains franchise into the promised land. Well, the Patriots have enjoyed success in every decade of their existence. 
even in the 60s, they had a run at the AFC Championship. In the 70s, they had a few good teams, and they would have had more if the Sullivans hadn't run Chuck Fairbanks out of town. They had good teams in the 80s under Raymond Barry and a couple good years under Parcells, but that's all they were, a couple of good years. And I will never, for one, forget how he left town. So it was as shameful as I could think of. Maybe maybe worse was Bobby Petrino's exit in Atlanta. So Parcells is a hypocrite, and all you media people who continue to rub his back and, and plant his flag – you, you, you need to go fuck yourselves because you're you're the worst. And guess what? I can hope Camille Belichick continues to keep pushing your shit in every day and every time he gets a chance to. So that's going to do it for us. Um, again, football is coming. I'm so excited for it. Um, I hope you are too. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we, we try to we attempt to, to have the uh, full roll of chairs, but maybe we'll have it next week. Um, until then, you can follow. Uh, at Entitled Weekend, at Entitled Weekend on Twitter. You can email us at EntitledWeekend at gmail.com. You can follow me at AtomicDog5150. Follow Joe at Joe Savignano. That's exactly the way it's spelled. You can follow uh, Rob at Hoodie Supremus. And you can follow Bill at the Fib 0604 So until next time, turn off your radios, slugs.